0: isn't there
1: Today, real quick, um, I've got. We're going to do a little Bible drill. Two places we're going to read from today. Page 139, we're going to start there. So put your finger there. 139, and then page 1324 in the church Bibles. 139 and 1324. We'll read those in just a second. Real quick, um, those to pray for. uh, Linda's not feeling well this morning. Nina is still having some trouble. Uh, She fell again and is hurting a lot, we hear. So we'll continue to pray for her and that there be some wisdom imparted uh, to doctors or someone about what's going on there. Um, Gabriel, um, Olga called and said that Gabriel has fever and like an upper respiratory going on, so they're not here today with us. And the word that's um, a good word this morning is Teresa continues to do well and get uh, heal from her surgery, and we hear she's doing great. And one quick announcement, this Wednesday night the 12th at 7 p.m. will be the end of the unleavened bread, um, and so we'll have a worship only, no meal, just Wednesday night at 7 p.m., worship only. All right, <clears throat> let's read about this lamb and unleavened bread and first fruits that the Lord set up. And real quick, between these scriptures that we're reading today, from where God set up his appointed times, and the time that Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians that we're going to, or the second verse, is about 1,500 years. So the Lord always calls us shots, as we've heard, and he always fulfills uh, what he's doing. So we're going to start in Leviticus 23, and we're going to read verses 9 through 14. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come to the land which I give you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day, when you have, when you wave the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah. and, um, of flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord, a sweet aroma, and a drink offering shall be of wine, one-tenth of a, of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. So now we're going to turn over to page 1324. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church as a reminder of how Jesus fulfilled this. And we'll begin at verse 20 and go through 26 of 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be defeated or destroyed is death. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your perfect plan and your uh, long suffering for people who many times don't heed your warnings and don't heed your commands. Lord, you continued to fulfill and send your precious lamb for us knowing that we would fail. Bless you for that. We thank you for this reminder this morning that Jesus has been the only one, the first one to die and to be raised again to live forever and ever by your side. We bless you for that. We thank you for that picture of salvation. Lord, that we are afforded through his perfect blood as he died as the Passover lamb. We bless you for this day, Lord. Thank you for those that are here. We pray for those that are not. We pray you would work in each of these situations. Lord, that you would heal and you would, uh, you would just grant your presence to these that are hurting. And feeling bad today father that you would uh, not only work in their hearts of healing but you would work in their hearts spiritually uh, we bless you for this day we thank you for your word and we pray lord that your spirit would have all power all authority and lord it would reign here today in this place we pray all this in your holy lamb's name in the name of jesus amen
2: my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days but then you walked right out Say hey. no grace.
3: Good morning. Well, many people would say that today is Resurrection Sunday, and I would be in agreement that Jesus did rise from the grave today. And many people would say today is Easter, and we can't agree with that. And I think today as we look through his word and grow into his truth we would have to come in alignment and agree with the words that have been spoken today that today is first fruits and Jesus did fulfill this place of first fruits so hallelujah and we are going to continue in the place that Bill was reading today, so if you'll turn with me back to page 139, Leviticus 23. I want to just look briefly at some of the things here. If you're looking for a title today, I, I believe the best title that God has given me for this message is God's resurrection story. Not the resurrection story, but God's resurrection story. And so there are many people teaching many things across the world today. I pray that we could be in truth, and I pray that He would begin to draw all that are looking and searching into His truth. Bill began to read in verse 9, so let's start there. <clears throat> It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheath of the first fruit of the harvest to the priest. So a couple of things I want us to, if you underline or mark in your Bible, the one of the things that I want you to see is that coming in to celebrate first fruits was not done in the wilderness. Now, it, the command was given that they would celebrate first fruits when they came into the promised land. But it was not celebrated in the wilderness. So it's only for those who have come into the land to be able to celebrate. Those that have walked through this place in obedience to Passover and have continued to walk in obedience to Unleavened Bread, then you have the opportunity to walk into First Fruits. But you can't get to First Fruits without coming through Passover and Unleavened Bread because you can't get to the land. You can't get to the land, to the promised land, to salvation. So the place of first fruits is only for people who are saved. It is not for people that have not come to the place of understanding of the Passover lamb and of, of unleavened bread. <clears throat> then he says, when you come into the land that, uh, and you're going to reap the harvest. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been having a little bit of allergies today. Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So I love that every year Bill goes out to his wheat crop. Now, they were actually harvesting a barley crop, not a wheat crop, but we don't have barley here in Texas. So uh, Bill is so awesome to bring us the first fruits of his wheat every year. And so what they would do is go out once they came into the land and they began to have harvest, then they would go out on this day and they would pick the very first fruits that were coming up. And I love this place because you see that they were willing to take from this very limited amount that was already coming up and offer it before the lord knowing that the lord would bless the harvest that is to come so these these that he's pulled off today they have not continue they won't continue to uh, ripen so they'll be worthless as far as cooking or using to uh, for our purposes here, but the Lord said, If you'll bring these first fruits to me, I'll bless the rest of the harvest. So the priest would come and they would wave them before the Lord in a place of being thankful for what God has done in providing the first fruits, but also thankful for the harvest that is to come. So that is part of the picture in first fruits that we want to hang on to is that this place of thanksgiving, this place of a thankful heart. The other thing that I think is really important in verse 11, it says that it's on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. This is a real important uh, place. It tells us when first first fruit is actually celebrated so it's the day after the sabbath now this is a a weekly sabbath this is not a high sabbath so it's not a it's not talking about passover it's not talking about unleavened bread it's talking about a weekly sabbath it doesn't say it's a high sabbath it says the sabbath so this is going to be on the day after the sabbath but it helps us to understand that it comes after the sabbath of passover and unleavened bread so you have to go back and start in verse 5 reading about passover and unleavened bread and then you come to the day after the sabbath after passover then you will find first fruits it's also interesting to know that first fruits is always in unleavened bread. It may fall in different places every year in unleavened bread, but it's always in unleavened bread. And I love kind of that picture because I see that you have to continue to remain in unleavened bread to get to first fruits. And then it says in verse 12, it says, And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. So again, we see that not only did they have the Passover lamb and unleavened bread, but when they came to first fruits, There was an offering. In fact, there are several offerings, and we're going to look at that. The first offering is the burnt offering. And you maybe remember this. We started the burnt offering quite some time back. And the burnt offering is a peace offering. It makes peace between you and God. And, of course, Jesus is that picture of the burnt offering. As he came and, and was the lamb that was slain... He made peace between our sin and God. He took our sin and made peace between us and God. And then verse 13 says, It's the grain offering shall be two tenths of ephah, a fine flour, mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma. So the right here, the grain offering. And it says you're going to have flour and oil. What are they making? They're making unleavened bread. So he's saying always in first fruits, you're going to have an offering of unleavened bread. That place of eating and joining in and and participating in the unleavened bread. And then it says, and it's a drink offering, and it's drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. The drink offering, the offering of wine, is a picture of Jesus' blood. So we see that the Passover, the understanding of you must have a lamb, there must be bloodshed to cover the sin and, and to redeem us from our sin. The, the unleavened bread and the drink offering of the wine. It's all here. Then it says on verse 14, You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your Lord. It shall be a statute forever throughout your dr- generations in all your dwelling places. And so th- we see that this is, again, a statute that is forever forever. Forever, throughout our generations. One of the things I want to kind of look at here too and talk just a little bit about, we talked about it in verse 11, but I want to point this out a little bit more. Uh, verse 11, nope, excuse me, verse 5. No? Yes, verse 5 and verse... Um, and verse uh, 11 yes both of these because if you want to determine how to celebrate Passover you have to go back up here to verse 5 and it says on the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover and so if you want to know how to get to Passover you would remember that God began new month for them, and in this place, it was a beginning of Abib, and so on the first of the month, you would count 14 days, and at twilight, that would be the Passover. Then you go down to verse 11, it says, on that day after the Sabbath, so that on the Sabbath, after the day of Passover, on the day after the Sabbath, I'm sorry, on the day after the Sabbath, Is the Passover so you come to Passover you come to the weekly Sabbath and then it's always going to be on the day after the Sabbath so it's always on Sunday as we think of Sunday of course they didn't use Monday Tuesday Wednesday as their names it was the first day the second day the third day of the week and so this would be always on the first day of the week. First Fruits is always on the first day of the week. And I think that has so much significance as we continue to study. But one of the things today, as I was talking about this title of the Lord's resurrection story, God's resurrection story, we want to see that Jesus, as he fulfilled the words that were spoken, the prophecies that were given, the laws that were given by God, we have to see that he fulfilled them perfectly in alignment with God's truths. Whereas many, as we said today, are celebrating this place of Easter, and I looked up a few years ago to see how you determine... when Easter is and it's funny we were with some people just the other night and and they were saying they said does he may know how how you know when Easter is going to be each year and I thought that's so funny I thought yeah I know exactly how that is and so I began to kind of share with them a little bit and so Easter is on the first Sunday after the full moon following the spring equinox so It's a place that begins with the spring equinox, that you have to come to find out when the spring equinox is to begin to work your way back to determine when Easter is going to be. Do you see that? The whole center thing works around this place of the spring equinox. Well, what is the spring equinox? It's a pagan holiday that is a celebration of new life it's when there are 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night and right there in the very center it's starting to come into summertime is when new life is celebrated in the world of in the world but in the world of pagan and in the world of people who are not understanding the truth in the bible And then you go to the first full moon following that, and then it's the Sunday after the first full moon following the spring equinox. Whereas in God's Bible, you start with the new moon, which determines, not the full moon, but the new moon that determines you're starting a new month. And you count 14 days, and that brings you to Passover. And then it's the following day after the Sabbath, after the Passover. So the whole focus is on what? It's on the Passover. It's on the Passover. All right. Let's see. I just think it's important that we remember these places as we come along. And... um, I think Bill mentioned this morning, or, or maybe Daniel mentioned this morning, this place that I talk about every year about God calling his shots. And I was so reminded of that when, when you were talking about that because... That was place when many years ago when I began to study in the feast and and God said I always call my shots and He reminded me and I've probably told this story many times but that as a young girl we would play basketball and we would play this game called horse and you would stand someplace and shoot from there and you could you would say I can make my shot from here you would call your shots now I didn't make my shots very often but that was the game and I think in pool that I don't really play pool but I understand that that's another place that people say hey I can get it into this hole or that hole and they call their shots so what God was helping me to understand is that where he was before Jesus even was born. He had already called his shots of how these places would be fulfilled. And I want us to look at that today. And so let's turn to John 20. I'm sorry. Yeah, John 20. It's on page 1249. I want you to put your marker there because we're going to come immediately back to this. Turn also to Matthew 12 on page 1125. I want us just to be reminded of the prophecy that Jesus was fulfilling as we look at this fulfillment today. So starting in Matthew 12, verse 38, it's on page 1125. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be, given to ex- will be given to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Daniel did a, a, an amazing teaching on this about three weeks ago. And uh, if you haven't heard that teaching, I would suggest you go back. He detailed this very clearly. But it's a place that I think we have to um, see the importance in the written word here because this fulfills the prophecy of Jesus. So as we celebrate first fruits, as we celebrate Passover and unleavened bread and first fruits, we see how it was fulfilled again the other night as we were sitting and talking about this place and people were talking about Easter and I had the opportunity to share with uh, uh, one of the people sitting there and I said you know but when you come to Easter and Good Friday you can't see the fulfillment of this scripture in Matthew 12 and I said you know because even no matter how you look at it if Jesus died on Friday, then he was in the grave Friday night, Saturday night, and, and rose Sunday morning. There's only two nights. And then he was in the grave, even if you count Friday, Friday and Saturday, but he rose early Sunday morning. And so you can't come with the fullness of this scripture And I said, but Jesus didn't die on Friday night. He died on Wednesday. And in the Jewish understanding, he was in the grave Thursday evening and Thursday, Friday evening and Friday, Saturday evening and Saturday, three days and three nights. And the person said, you know, it's only a picture of Jesus. It doesn't have to be exact. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought yes we've been deceived to believe that that is true and I grew up that way most of my life I was in the same place it never occurred to me that we needed to be exactly in alignment with the scripture because most of my life I celebrated Easter most of my life I thought Jesus died on Friday and he was raised Sunday morning and I never considered that this did not align with the scripture but what i want us to realize is that when it doesn't align completely with god's word it's a different jesus than the bible than the jesus that's in the bible and uh, it, it has a completely different story so now i want you to turn over to john 20 where your marker was And starting in verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the tomb had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So a couple of things that are important right here. You see that Jesus was not in the tomb when Mary went to the tomb she went on the first day of the week and she went early in the morning so many times people think that this they get this confused and they say that's when Jesus rose was early in the morning because she went early and he's already gone it's true but it's amazing to me we have this idea that somewhere he rose you know right at sunrise and a lot of people have sunrise celebrations for that very reason that's not what it says here it says when mary went to the tomb early in the morning jesus is already gone this word early is a is a word called proe it's a greek word proe It has to do with the watches. And so there were three watches during the night. And Mary actually went to the early morning watch, which was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. That's when she went. So we don't know exactly when she went, but somewhere between 3 and 6 is what it's telling us. But Jesus was already risen. Now, we don't know what time because the Bible doesn't tell us, but my understanding of how the Jewish days and the Jewish nights fall, we know that the evening comes first and then the morning and then the day, right? So you have Thursday night and Thursday day and and then friday night and friday day and then saturday night and saturday day i believe with all of my heart that jesus rose somewhere just a minute or two after he had fulfilled the prophecies i don't think he spent another day. I don't think he spent another night. I think he only fulfilled the prophecies. What time that was, I I can't tell you exactly, but I don't believe that he did anything outside of fulfilling the prophecies. Okay, then I want us to read on. In verse 3, it says, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came in following him and went to the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain then they said to her woman why are you weeping she said to them because they have taken away my lord and I do not know where they've laid him now when she had said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking she's supposing him supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. So I wanted to read this little bit right here because I think there's a couple of really powerful places I see where she turns around and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't know who he is. And he even speaks to her and he calls her woman in verse 15. But she still assumes that he's the gardener she doesn't recognize him but when jesus calls her mary and i love that she knows her savior and she calls him and it says rabboni but and it says that it's translated teacher but that's not exactly right it's actually translated my teacher i love that she would say that he knows her intimately As Mary and she recognizes him intimately as her teacher and I think that's so powerful but what he says to her is where our message is going to be today Jesus says do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say to them I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God so Jesus is risen from the grave, he sees Mary, but he hasn't ascended. So now let's look at 1 Corinthians on page uh, 1324, 1 Corinthians 15. starting in verse 20. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. What Paul is saying and helping us to understand exactly the fulfillment of Jesus on first fruits as he is risen from the grave at the very time on first fruits when the Priests are bringing their first fruit offerings and waving them before the Lord, thanking the Lord for what he has done to provide the first fruits, but thanking him also for the harvest that is to come. At that very day, on that very moment, Jesus is going and ascending to the Father. Oh, my goodness, how we miss this. When we create an Easter story. Jesus is coming. And he is risen from the dead. And he tells Mary. He said I haven't ascended yet. But I am ascending. And he is being raised up. Or he is raising up before the father. And he is being waved before the father. Saying father. Thank you for your plan. (laughs) Thank you. That he is the first fruit. But he is also coming in a heart of excitement and thanksgiving to the Father because the harvest is to come. And he knows the harvest is coming. So we see Paul as he understands his truth. He understands the, the uh, meaning of first fruit. And, he, and so let's read that again. Paul writes in verse 20, he said, Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits. Of those who have fallen asleep, so those who have already died, he's become the first fruits. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all died, for as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. He's saying it's all has an order. Christ the first fruits afterwards those who are Christ at his coming then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of god the father to i'm sorry then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of god to the kingdom to god the father that is so powerful right there what he is saying is then comes the end so Christ is the first fruit to those who have who have already even fallen asleep and to those who are yet to fall asleep but to the first fruits to those who have fallen asleep and he is going to bring them the harvest before God so it says in verse 24 then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God that's the harvest To God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Amen. Amen. And then if you look down to verse 49, it says... And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortality put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. He's saying that, you know, we can't inherit. We can't go into the kingdom of God in these corruptible states. And so we see that Jesus as being the first fruits became incorruptible. And he's the first fruits of those risen, but he's also the first fruits of us being changed. Now, it will happen at Feast of Trumpets. I recognize that. But he's the first fruits here that Paul is recognizing and helping us to see the power in that place. Turn back one page. I want you to see where Paul is writing here on verse 12. Verse 12 says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And then I want you to hear what Paul says. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Chapter 15, verse 14. Yes. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. I love this understanding right here because what Paul is saying is it takes Passover It takes unleavened bread, but it also takes first fruits to complete this place of where your sins are totally forgiven because it requires a spotless lamb. It requires God to be able to fulfill this position in order for our sins to be totally forgiven. Now let me see. I want to turn to um, I want to turn to Romans uh, on Romans 4 is on page 1297. Starting in verse 23, Paul writes again, he says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Let's see, maybe I should read. Let's go up. He's talking about Abraham here. Let's start in 22. He says, And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for ours it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who has delivered up because who was delivered up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. So in this place not only was he delivered up for our offenses, but he was raised because of our justification, this place of being made righteous, holiness. So not only, not only was Jesus crucified to pay for the penalty of our sins, not only did he live a sinless life, that we might eat of him and walk as he walks. But in this place, he was raised to make us right standing with God, righteous in holiness. In holiness, therefore being justified, being made righteous by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is saying you can't just take the Passover. You can't just take unleavened bread where you're walking out this call to walk in holiness. But you have to come all together, take Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits to come to the fullness to where you will have peace with God. I thought about this and what this is saying here and I thought, yeah, I see that, Lord. So without Passover and without Unleavened Bread, Resurrection Day has no power. Unfortunately and in great sadness, I'm aware that there are churches filled today With people celebrating only Resurrection Day. And whereas that is a powerful and and amazing truth, when it is separated from the fullness of God's plan, it has no fruit, it has no power. Look at Romans 1. It's on page 1294, just one page, a couple of pages back, one page back. Verse 16. I felt like Paul was understanding. He understood so many of these places. Verse 16, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. It's the power of God to salvation, but it's the whole plan. It's the whole plan of the gospel. The last scripture I want to leave you with is in 2 Corinthians, um, it's on page 13, 34. let's start in verse 3 Paul writes but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ purity is a great word there for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. As we come today recognizing the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, the gospel that is complete in him, I think we have to be aware and troubled by the enemy deceiving and drawing us into what looks like half-truths that seem to have a picture but don't align with God's Word. If you'll stand with me, please.
4: gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Then just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle, and a voice began to call. I hurried to the window, I looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches, and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. And John stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been. She said, they've moved him in the night and none of us knows where. Oh, the stone's been rolled away and now his body isn't there. So we both ran to the garden. Then John ran on ahead. And we found the stone, an empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how aware they'd take him was more than I could tell. Oh, something strange had happened there, just what I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high because I'd seen them crucify him, and then I saw him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. So even if he was alive, it could never be the same. Then suddenly, the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. Then Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees, and I just clung to him and cried. Oh, but then he raised me to my feet, and as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies built in my confusion disappeared in sweet release oh and every fear i'd ever had just melted into peace